Exodus chapter 18, verse 21. Go ahead and take your chair. Exodus 18, verse 21. Can you hear me out there okay? I've got a new mic on, so we're, we're, we're testing. And when you have it, say, got it. If you don't have it, say, wait. Exodus 18, verse 21. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Father, we come before you, Lord, and I ask that you continue to have your way here in our service. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst as, as you're raising up faith. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to the hearts, minds of individuals that need to be ministered to. I ask also, God, that you would convict those who, who perhaps have not been paying attention to who you are and what you're trying to accomplish here on this earth. I pray, Lord, that you would move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Remember when you were a kid, maybe me, but you were afraid of the dark and the lights were off and you knew there was a boogeyman, a monster down on the corner of your room? And then, when you, you know, you know, you ever been there? And all of a sudden, uh, what happened, you, you knew that monster was lurking at the bed. And, but something happened when, to help you get over that fear, right? Now, most likely, you're afraid and somebody turned the light on. And when you turn the light on, you realize that monster lurking at the foot of your bed was just a sweater that you left there at, and you forgot it was there. Or not just me, right? You're like the kukui, the boogeyman, right? So once the light came on, the monster was no longer frightening. It didn't bother you, right? Well, so the same principle applies to overcoming all fears. Someone has to turn the light on. Because our fears are just insecurities, things that we think are real. And that word light, uh, that light, the word means something that, that makes vision possible. Without light, you can't see things. Webster defines light in several ways, but in one of the main definitions was as spiritual illumination. In fact, in Webster's, he uses John 1 5, and it says that the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So light is a synonym for truth. So understanding of, of truth, when, when, when somebody tells you something truth, and you know it's true, how long does it take to understand it? When, when truth comes to you, you understand it instantaneously, instantaneously. It just happens quickly, right? So I'm thinking about that. And, and then I looked up at light. Light. Light travels in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,000 miles per second. Boom. And so when God brings truth, when it's truth, you don't have to think about it. When truth comes and you have to think about it, means you don't want to receive it. Truth is instantaneous. See, we all have certain fears. Amen? Some are afraid of their wife. 
But, so, but when we look at our fear in the light, we realize that what we're afraid of is not really frightening when we understand the truth of how we feel. In fact, fear properly placed will move you into action. Fear. Conversely, untamed fear will ruin your ability to walk with the Lord. So you have to have fear, but it has to be done in a certain manner. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13 through 15 reads, Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and His anger will burn against you, and He will destroy you from the face of the land. Wow. See, what, what, what we do know is that properly placed fear will make you a godly person. Right? Psalms tells us that, that the fear of the Lord is pure. And when I say a godly person, it, it's evidence uh, uh, that they're godly. Why? Because they fear God. And godliness is evidenced by three outstanding traits. They have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. When you look at somebody who's afraid of the Lord, they tend to be a little wiser. They don't do dumb things. It's, it's us dummies who do dumb things, you know, B.C., before Christ. Because we, we weren't afraid of the Lord. Or we weren't afraid of anything. Wouldn't bow down to a freight train. Right? And so we do all kinds of dumb things. But those who really fear God, you can tell because, man, that person's wise. They're smart. They're understanding. So I'm, I'm thinking about that in Proverbs 2, 5 through 6, reads, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So what am I saving? Same. Believers must fear God. Now, if you don't fear God, it leaves an, a vacuum. And nature abhors a vacuum. You know, it's like water. If you have water in a cup and you stick your finger in there, there's a hole in there with your finger, right? But once you remove your finger, guess what? The vacuum fills up with water, right? It's just like your brain. If, if it's empty of stuff, you don't fill it with the proper stuff, it'll fill with something. Because nature abhors a vacuum. So when you turn on the light, boom, light fills the room. Why? Because nature abhors a vacuum. Believers must fear God. Because if they don't fear God, that's why many believers have other insecurities and fears. You can't fear God and be afraid of other things. If you're afraid of other things, I'm going to tell you something. Your fear of the Lord is not intact. I'm afraid. Yeah, I, and, and I know there's a real. Because some people are afraid of flying. Right? And I say, okay, you're afraid of flying. Well, first of all, the worst thing can happen if you're a believer is you die and you go to heaven. Right? But, but if you're afraid of flying, this fear, that's how fears get you. This is a fact. You have a greater chance today. If you were to catch a flight this afternoon, you have a greater chance today of slipping in your bathroom in the shower and breaking your neck and dying than you do have a chance of dying in an airplane. Nonetheless, people better take a shower every day. <laughs> right? But they're afraid of the plane. So I, I, I've often told people, look, if God wanted you to die in a plane, flight 748 on its way to Orlando, Florida, and you weren't on it, if he wanted you to die in that plane... He would turn that plane around and make it land on you. There's a point it wants to die. So don't be afraid. So you have to fear the Lord. 
Doesn't fear man, fear God, who could take your soul. Huh? See, believers must fear God. Those with the fear of the Lord will be trustworthy. Hmm? Leviticus 25, 17 says, Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God. The, 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 the implication here is those that take advantage of others don't fear God. Those who fear the Lord will hate dishonest gain. Those who fear the Lord will, will, will be lifted up and will become a leader of others. See, unfortunately, we often... If we misuse fear, it can ruin us. I'm saying we misuse fear in us. We don't put the fear where it belongs. Fear can paralyze us, right? Like that phrase, you know, like, like a deer caught in the headlights. You freeze, right? That's how roaring lions get you. Do you know a, roar, a lion that's hunting does not roar? They're silent. They're in packs. They move, and they're going to kill you. But when, a, when you see a roaring lion or when you hear a roaring lion, what it's trying to do when it roars is put fear into the animals after so that it can kill it. A roaring lion tends to show its age. Old, feeble lions roar. The ones that, that, are, that are, are mean and ready to do it, they don't roar. They just chomp, they just eat you up. In fact, they don't even go out and hunt. They just send the, the female lions, go, go get me food and come back. Well, that's another message. Hmm? The following acronym gives us a handy tool for understanding how to face your fears. First, you need to find a different perspective. So we often admit defeat simply because we fail to achieve the results we had anticipated. Right? See, those results, what we call failures, may not be failures after all. I, I tell people, Christians cannot fail. As long as they never give up, you, we always fall forward. We can't fail. It's impossible. Spencer Silver, he was a chemist at 3M Research Laboratories. He was trying to invent a strong adhesive in 1970. The results were exactly the opposite. The adhesive stuck to objects but could easily be pulled away. It was super weak instead of super strong. He thought it was a failure. Four years later, four years later, another 3M scientist named Arthur Fry put some sil of silver adhesive on slips of paper to mark the pages of his Bible for his church choir. So he, he puts his glue and he marks his pages. From silver's failure, post-it notes were developed. Huh? And in 1980, they had become the most popular office product on the market. Post-it notes. So what, what was actually he thought was a failure was no failure at all as long as you look at what's happening differently. What is God trying to show me? Why, am I, why did I go through this? What is the struggle about? It's not failure. So you have to take another look at your failures. You may find that from the different perspective, that failure opened the door to you for a whole new opportunity. Have you ever been fired? And you got another job, you say, man, I should have quit that job a long time ago. Huh? Failure. Failure. But we look at failure and we put ourselves down. Uh, you have to look at things differently. Genesis 45, 5, let's all turn there. It's about a man who, who consistently failed. Failure could have been his middle name. Joseph. 
45.5 reads, And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Now, Joseph is talking to his brothers who sold him into slavery. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. So here, you got to imagine, because, you know, we're, we're the kind of people who want to pay people back for, get, for doing you dirty. Here is Joseph facing his brothers. These are the brothers that first conspired to kill him, then, then felt sorry, changed his mind, and they just sold him to slavery. He goes into slavery, and you know the story, he just kept getting in trouble or, or getting framed, and he went on and on, eventually ended up in prison, was stuck in prison for years, for years, for years, right? Then he comes out, and all kinds of mess happened to him, all because of his dumb brothers. These guys, now they're standing before him, and he says, it wasn't you who did it. God did it. God did it because he knew that I had to get to where I'm at right now to preserve everybody. In fact, if you hadn't have put me in that pit, if you hadn't have sold me into slavery, if I hadn't gone to prison, I wouldn't be here today. He took a different perspective of his situation. Huh? See, Joseph was a failure in the eyes of man. Look at his rap sheet. Convicted rapist. A felon. A mistrusted aide. Look at his family life. He was spoiled because he was. Had the coat of many jackets. He was the favorite of his father. That's why his brothers didn't like him. Self-centered. He thought the world revolved around him. Proud. Hated by his brothers. See, what you think is failure may just be God shaping your life. Huh? See, Joseph became the leader of the king because of his failures. Don't be afraid. You have to have a different perspective of your fears and your failures. Number, number two, engage your problem-solving skills. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of the fictional detective Sherlock Holmes, he reportedly told of a time when he climbed into a taxi cab into Paris. Engage your problem-solving skills. Before he could utter a word, the driver turned to him and asked, where can I take you, uh, Dr. Doyle, or Mr. Doyle? Mr. Doyle was flabbergasted. He asked the driver, have you ever seen me before? No, the driver said. But this morning's paper, they had a story about you being on vacation in, Mar in Marcel's. This was the taxi stand where people who return from Marcel's always come. Your skin color tells me you have been on vacation. The ink spot on your right index finger suggests to me that you're a writer. Your clothing is very English, not French. Adding all these pieces of information, I deduce that you are Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That's amazing, he the writer exclaimed. You are the real-life counterpart, counterpart of my fictional creation, Sherlock Holmes. There was one other clue, the driver said. What was that? Your name is on the front of your suitcase. Hmm? You got to use your problem-solving skills. Keep your eyes open. I tell, I, I tell people, you got to ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. See, we have a secret weapon. The world doesn't have it. Sherlock Holmes can't do it. So, but we have 
a fellow, a, a friend rather, a counselor, a guide, an inside spy, if you will, a, who, who can give you advice. Discernment. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. See, one telltale sign of a growing Christian is the ability to discern. You ever get frustrated with, with some people who are just, now, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but, you know, you come across some people that are just dumb. I'm like, you don't want to say nothing, but you go, man, that's one dumb dude. <laughs> and you think, you, you know he knows the Lord. You're praying, he know, you know, he loves the Lord, he's Jesus. I go, and then you kind of wonder, like, okay, he knows the Lord, but you can't be that dumb. You got to pray for that person. Because if you know Jesus, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. I think what happens is people fail to access their secret weapon, the Holy Spirit. Right? And you have to have the ability to discern spirits. Because people come up to you and lie to you. And, and they might sound flowery, it might sound good, but if you have a discerning spirit, you're going to say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something not right. What they're saying sounds good, but something doesn't feel right. Then you've got to begin to pray and have access to the Holy Spirit. Right? That, that discerning of the spirits is the ability to intuitively probe the heart and distinguish the hidden nature of men. And you ha we have been given that ability if we know how to use it, if we're pure, if we're right, if we're engaged in our problem-solving skills. Discerning between the operation of God's spirit and that of an evil spirit. Now that's easier. When you see evil, you can kind of look at evil. But this is the hard one. Discerning between a human spirit claiming the utterance that of, of dictates of a, of a godly sentence. Are you with me? Because some people say they use the Bible, they say it, but what is the spirit behind it? Well, what is really happening here? You have to have a discerning spirit because just because it may be a scripture coming from the Bible doesn't mean it's from God. The devil uses the scripture. Man, the devil is more faithful to church than most Christians. He's, he's here every service, amen? Oh my, he comes because he wants to mess with your mind and confuse you, right, and, and put you off, uh, off track. So we have to have a discerning spirit. Hmm? Deuteronomy 32, 28 says, there are a nation without, they are a nation without sense. They have no discernment in them. No discernment, no sense. See, God, being a God of order, must raise up discerning people. To be able to distinguish. Why? Because you, when, you're gonna ha when you have fears, you have to figure this out. Is this real? Or is it me? Is it the devil? Or is it God? Because fear is good if it's used well. But fear can control you. And the only way to, 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 to find the difference if you have, when you're insecure, because there are people insecure, you have to have a discerning spirit. Amen? Interestingly, those who fail to overcome their fear are often those who have no sense. You can't reason with them. And then you, they can go to a psychologist, get Prozac, get, get, get the good drugs, you know what I mean, for the medical doctor. They can get everything they want. They can be all calmed down. And they're still afraid of a spider. Ah! Just kill it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a spider. What are you afraid of? But they allow these fears to dictate to them. Now, what I'm saying, because, you know, I know they're, what they call acronacophobia, whatever it is. I know it's, right, it's true. But I have a hard time 
bringing a person full of the Holy Ghost and power and afraid of a spider. Something's missing here. The Holy, somebody full of the anointing. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth is in you, but don't turn the light off. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I, can't, I can't bring them together. I'm sorry. You can go to any psychiatrist and they'll give you the drugs you need to calm you down. But listen, my friend, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you know God, you, there's no weapon formed against you. No, no mouse can hurt you. Where's your fear coming from? Is that fear God? Is it the, the devil? Don't blame the, de the devil on, on, a, on a mouse. Hey, years ago, I have my mouse story. I come home. Anthony was a baby. Jose was there. I come home. We're, we're, we're in um, Hayward, California. And I, I walk in the house, and my two older sons, Frank and Johnny, are screaming and yelling. Ah! And then I see my boy walking across. He had a broom. I'm a, I go, what's going on? There's a mouse in there. There's a mouse in there. And I go, and what are you guys afraid of? You know, Johnny's like six foot. He's a big kid, man. He's like, and, and Frank, and they're like, ah, screaming. Then my wife, right with them, kill it, kill it, kill it. <laughs> so I opened it, opened it, and, and I looked. I, I figured I was going to say like a rat. You know, uh, you know, you New York rats are pretty frightening, you know. The, I opened that door, and this little tiny mouse. I, I go, step on it. I mean, what are you? Fears. So then I had a discussion with my wife. I go, why are these kids afraid of a mice? You know why? Because she taught them. <laughs> they would have been afraid of a mouse until somebody showed them. So most of your fears are taught you. You may not know your little child and your mom says, oh, I can't swim. I'm afraid of the water. Also, you grow up, guess what? You're afraid of the water. I'm afraid of the water. Why are you afraid of the water? I don't know. But it's free. It's kabuki. And then, and then the human nature... And then you have to be, look, we're children of God. You have to discern, wait a minute, what am I afraid of? Huh? What am I afraid of? you got to use your discerning, right? See, again, those who fail to overcome their fear are often those who have no sense. They can never try something new or creative. They tend to not learn from their mistakes. They tend to walk away with no, uh, with no experiential growth from what they're afraid of or what they experience. Hmm? They walk away from a failed attempt, making no effort to discover why they failed. They just accept it. They accept things as it comes their way. See, Christians are problem solvers, not problem creators. You have to, you have to be able, and that simply is a personal problem that you have to take in regard. You have to, God, you've got to help me with this, because I do not believe there's anything that we should be afraid of. Amen? The Bible says, fear God who can take your soul, not man. James 4, 1 to 3. What causes fights and quarrels? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's my segue into FEA. You need to simply ask for help. 
Huh? We have not because we ask not. Because believe me, I had a lot of fears coming into Christianity. I've shared this. My mother was a witch. She practiced witchcraft. And, I, and when I was growing up, I was all alone. My, my brothers were much older. My sisters were all gone. But because of the activity that was taken on in my mom's house, I would never go home at night unless somebody was in the house. I didn't go home. I go, I ain't going to that house. I had a fear of that house. I, ain't, uh, I would literally roam my neighborhood, stay out until somebody came home because I was not going to go in that house because there's something going on in there. My nephew's here. He knows my mom. My mom was no joke, right? So I was afraid of the house. So I grew up fearful of dark places. A lot of fear. Then here I am, this big dude, not afraid of nothing, living in the neighborhood, but turn the light on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I was like, oh, I'll beat you up, I'll stab you, I'll kill you, I'm a bad dude. And you go to the house, is the light on? <laughs> so you figure out real quickly something's wrong. Amen? Huh? But all you have to do is ask for help. That's what I did. God, I need help. What, what's up here? What's going on? And he began to bring me back at, at the, the, the demonic activity that was taking place in my mom's house. All the spirits that lived in my mom's house that were, 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 were tormenting me as a child. And once I saw it, I was over, overcome it. But a lot of people don't want to ask for help. Maybe pride, envy, insecurity, whatever, but they, they choose not to ask for help. But somewhere in your network is someone who has the information you need. Somebody who, who went through the problem you went through. To solve a given problem, do a search. In this day and age, we have Google. Back then, we didn't have Google. I mean, if you have an issue, you can, you can look it up. You can begin to investigate and begin to ask, why do I have this fear? And not just why I have this fear. i got to get rid of this fear. God, you got to help me with this. Huh? Someone you know can offer you an encouragement when you struggle. This is where life groups come in and are essential. So in a life group, you, you, you begin to have intimate relationships. And when you begin to have fears and struggles, it's there where they can be taken care of, prayed for, talked about, ministered to, where intimacy happens. Hmm? Someone you know has been where you are now. Hmm? Someone has felt your pain, and someone can suggest Ways to get to where you want to go. You just have to ask. I need help. I need help. Now me, I, I, had, a, I had a deep relation with the Holy Spirit, but I had to get over those fears. And then when I came to Colorado, spirits always manifest everywhere around me. But now I was no longer afraid. I recognized it. And I, be, I turned it around, and God turned around that fear and made it my strength. Why? Because the Bible says in my weakness, his strength is perfected. Now dig that. So I don't care what weakness you have. That's why I said we don't, we don't lose. I don't care what weakness you think you have. If you grab a hold of the Holy Spirit, that weakness, I declare, will become your strength. All you got to do is ask and believe it. And lastly, resist. Resist the temptation to give up. That's what's going to happen. 
Because once you think you got it licked, all of a sudden that same fear, that same issue is going to pop up again. And you're going to say, well, I thought I had the victory, but I don't now. No, no, don't give up. That's part of the process. It's part of the struggle. In fact, you need that struggle. It's the struggle that makes you strong. See, the only difference between those who reach their goal and those who talk about it is persistence. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing it. Paul writes to Timothy, his young disciple. He tells him, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure it. Listen, if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to fulfill your calling, if you're going to do anything for God, you have to have endurance. It is not easy to walk with Jesus. If walking with Jesus is easy, you're not walking with Jesus. You have to endure like a soldier. Right? 2 Timothy 4, 5 reads, But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelists. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So the next question is you have to, why? You ever ask why? Why? Why do we endure? Do you know why? Why? See, I, I have a clear understanding of why. I know what I'm about. I know why I go through what I got to go through. That's why it makes it easier to go through it. It makes it easier to take a punch. It makes it easier to get off the canvas. Why? Because I know why I'm fighting. I'm not just fighting for this church. Oh, no, that's way bigger than this church. It's for lives, generation. Listen, whether you know it or not, I'm fighting for your grandchildren. Fighting. See, fear is a sworn enemy. Of, okay. But Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. In the ninth round, Tyson knocked Douglas in the canvas. And he was out. Ten. I mean, one. So he's right down the last number. When the last count came, ding, 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 he was saved by the bell. I go, and I'm watching that fight. I go, this dude is done. Mike Tyson was a killer. You know, Mike Tyson, he was brutal. Saved by the bell. Then came round 10. Douglas said after the fight that his mom told everybody that her boy was going to beat Mike Tyson. Her mom, his mom died two days before the fight. He goes, so I decided... When I got knocked down in the ninth, I could either die with my mama or come out fighting. And what was then and perhaps forever will be the greatest upset in boxing history. Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. Huh? Douglas had a, he had a reason to fight. He had a reason to get up. Could you imagine him on that canvas saying, no, my mama said I was going to win. I'm going to win. And he got up. And he knocked him out. See, he had a reason to fight. You have to defeat your fears. Nobody can do it for you. The God is not going to come down and send some angel to stand at your door. You got to fight it. You need to get off the canvas of your failure. Hmm? Jesus saved us by the bell. My piano player comes. It's round 10. Hello, somebody. It's round 10. Place your fears, huh? Place, rather, put it like this. People who face their fears grow. People, yeah, you ever met someone who doesn't grow? 
is because they're so trapped by their fears and they're comfortable with where they're at, they don't want to change. So I don't want to change. I don't want to move. I don't want to change nothing. I have family that are, that are living in, in squalor when they don't have to. Why? Because they're more comfortable living in squalor than venturing out to something new. Fear. See, fear will keep you from traveling the world. Fear will keep you from getting a passport and going to Africa. Fear will keep you. What I, that you get deeper. Well, I can't go. Why can't you go? Then you go, I got no money. What do you got money? What God do you serve? We can do all things. When you begin to take out those fears, all of a sudden you begin to look at the world like, man, that's around the corner. I, I travel the world like I'm, I'm traveling down the street. I do. I, I was with Pastor John. He, he laughed at me. Okay, John. I'll go, John. We're going to go to the Philippines, right? He goes, yeah, yeah. He's first time. Okay. I'm going to send you through Japan. I think Steve would too. I'm going to I'm gonna send you through Japan. Right, from Japan, I want you, you're going to wait there, you're going to catch a plane, and you'll take that plane. Either you'll come to Guam, or you can go straight to Manila, depending on what plane you catch. He goes, okay, where are you going to be? Well, I'm going to catch my plane from California, I'm going to land in Hawaii, from Hawaii, I'm going to go to Guam. So, we'll probably meet in Guam. And then we can fly into Manila together. If not, I'll meet you in Manila. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. Right, he goes, look at me. He goes, you know we're going across the world. I go, this is a small world. Because I got a big God. See, that, that's a fear. This is, it's just a place. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a number, if you will. Because your mind expands when you begin to trust that we serve a big God. What are you afraid of? Gone. There's nothing can stop you. That's why I, I love what Pastor Steve, my pastor, would always say. We have to get a can opener. Right? Why? Because the Bible said we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Get a can opener. Open up your cans. You can do that. 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 Yes, you can do that. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So not only people who face the fears grow themselves, they grow the church. People who stand during the shaping process. Listen, your fears will shape you. Either shape you for the good or for the bad. Your fears shape you. And most fears are brought down from family. Like uh, Hispanic culture is a trip. I think every, 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 um, every Hispanic culture has the uh, La Llorona. You guys all know about it, right? right? La Llorona. Where did it come from? That's the, 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 the crying witch. And every, uh, my mom would always say, you don't go outside or there. I go, why not? Because la llorona will get you. Hey, la llorona. We were, uh, then we grew up all afraid. Was, uh, and that fear, unknowingly, was only there to, to set the groundwork to control us. And in the same manner, the way we put our fears into people, the devil says, what can I get them afraid of? How, how, how can I make them afraid? What kind of fear can I put on your life? And then we receive them openly. That's one reason why I, I pick up a $1,000 offering, because some people are just afraid. Chickens. Got to break the fears. Got to break the fear. And once you break the fear, watch God begin to bless. Watch. I look at Pastor Sonny. He travels the world like nobody's business. I, went, I, I, I took Nikki to the airport. Pastor Sonny flew in, picked him up at the jet center. 
They flew to Puerto Rico to do a crusade. From, from Puerto Rico, they flew to Panama to do a surprise visit. I go, that's what I want to do. Travel the world and preach the gospel and build a ministry. What else is better to do than that? Win souls. Bring people to Jesus. But I have to break fears. I have to break fears in me. I have to break fears in you individually. But more importantly, if we're going to do something for God, I have to break the fear corporately. What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of. Again, people who stand during the shaping process, grow the church, grow the ministry, grow their family, grow themselves. See, people who know why they fight, win. Buster Douglas knew why he fought. That's why he won. Why are we fighting? Just, what, just to come to church? No, it's bigger than that. Don't you see what God is trying to do globally with us? Us, just simple us? Fear. Got to fight it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.